Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app. So, can you hear us okay? Bojan and I are going to sing some Norwegian folk songs in perfect Norwegian. I hope this is okay. It's, uh, it's an old fishing song from Narvik. You start. I'm Swedish, mate. Sorry, I always mix up the, uh, the two of you. Bojan is the only footballer I've shared a bed with. It's 2018. It's normal now. Scandinavia... And Sweden gave you a home in 1993. Why? Uh, I was born in Belgrade on the 6th of February. Then I moved to Sarajevo in Bosnia. Grew up with my grandparents. And of course, in 92, the big war in Bosnia broke out. So me and my family, my mom and sister then, because my dad was in Sweden at that time, we had to refugee. We had to escape the war. So sometimes... I always say because a couple of years, a couple of days ago, a big Swedish artist passed away at age of 28. Everybody knows him by the name of Avicii, but people didn't know Tim. So in a way, through my football, everybody sees me as a football player and forgets the person. That person that made that long step, being a refugee, gone through war, coming to a different country, and then moving to the biggest club in the world at the age of 17. That's not easy. I'm not saying you're gonna, you have to feel sorry for me or nothing, but sometimes you have to understand because all of you in here has a history. I've not walked in your shoes, I never judged you, so don't judge me either if you don't know me. That's as simple as it gets. Then we can be friends. <laughs> I judged you when you scored a belting goal at Parkhead in a friendly. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, son. Yeah, I thought I made it at that time. It was 2001. You, you get a bit big time. Did you get told off for that? I was always big time. I always thought highly of myself. That's the way it is when you grow up in Balkan. You always thrive to be the best. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? In Sweden and Norway, I think people judge you if you don't make it. I said, I told you he's not going to make it. But it's easy after the game to see how the game was played. Say that before. Be a man or a woman. Stand up and give your honest opinion. That's not a hard to ask. In Sweden especially, you know, we have our problems with Zlatan and all that. I love that attitude. I wish more people were like that. He came from nothing, he became something. And even people in Sweden are told that they were against Zlatan. Listen, he's the best player Sweden has ever seen. So you have to respect him. Doesn't matter what you think of him, his commercials now, whatever. He's still the greatest footballer, probably one of the, in Scandinavia. I'm not going to... Denmark has a few now, Christian Eriksen, they have Preben Elkshire in 86. Norway, my favorite Norwegian player actually, he played in Rosenborg and I played against him. I didn't even know who this guy was. I looked around, I was in Red Star Belgrade then, and he was running circles around me. I was like, who's this little man? Urian <laughs> Bey. <laughs> so, if I, I was thinking, I'm still in Norway, I have to tell you about one player so that's the player they pressed me the most that I played actually against the records it was already on back right we're not going to talk about Sweden in the World Cup this year or Norway oh I can talk about Serbia 
We could talk about Serbia, or we could we could list the clubs that you played for, but we've only got four hours, so we'll, we'll list that out. That's true. How did Manchester United spot you, and what did you think when United said that they wanted to sign you? Uh, first of all, uh, I played in Broma Pojkana. I think many people, younger people that played football in Norway know it's the biggest youth development club probably in Scandinavian Europe, most members. Uh, 98, I was picked to play in the European Championships. It was under 16 at that time in Czech Republic. And sometimes you have to have good games against good teams and countries. And it was easy like to play against San Marino or Luxembourg to be good in the qualifiers, but you had to perform against England. And lucky enough, with England in the first game, and probably that was my best game at that age. But I was 16, I was already developed because I made my debut in the second highest league in Sweden when I was 15. 15, I was still going like in ninth grade when I played with grown men. But for me, it was normal. In my head, I'm not gonna lie, I thought, listen, I'm better than this. I'm 15, but it doesn't matter. I'm better than this guy sitting next to me. So, man, United Scouts were at the game. They contacted my club. So, and that is the connection between. And funny enough, the proudest moment I think ever is that the head scout at that time, I think Les Kershaw was scout yeah. as well, but he, it was not only Les Kershaw that came to Stockholm when I was 16. Even Sir Alex came. He came to this little place in the outskirts of Stockholm called Grimstad. Honestly, if you see, they built a new stand now, but if you see that, it reminds you of like a four division club. And he came there, and for me, I think, when you think about certain stuff that has happened, not many people will do that. They send you scouts, I was 16. He never thought I was gonna make it. But he came and that convinced me that I chose between United and Liverpool and Tottenham at that time in England. And him coming just to Sweden to see me and my family. And I grew up in a rough part in Stockholm, Husby and Rinkeby. And Rinkeby is like Rosengård in Skåne. It's a tough part, it's a tough suburbs. That made my decision because for me then it was just a great man that cared about everything. You moved to Manchester, who did you become friends with? Who were the characters in the youth system at Manchester United? And what type of things did you get up to as a young man in Manchester who uh, played for Manchester United, who was single. <laughs> I was always single. And good at football. <laughs> but I came in 99, so the first six months we spent at the cliff. And I got into a dix. It was actually Phil Bardsley's granddad, sadly he's passed away now. We had a dix and it was me and Luke Chadwick. So Luke Chadwick was my first roommate in United. And six months later, we moved from the cliff to the Carrington, and then you have to move across the city, and then I became good friends with John O'Shea. So, Shazy is still my best friend. You went clubbing with you, Luke Chadwick? No, I went with Shazy. Be interested in being a wingman going clubbing with Luke. <laughs> he was my wingman. He's definitely got better looking, Luke Chadwick, hasn't he? He's got older. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Chase is about to retire. What a lad, what a career. Goalkeeper, defender, attacker. He scored the winning goal at Anfield in front of the cop in the last minute. Hey, against, against Arsenal as well. Highbury, yeah. that little chip with the left foot. He didn't even know what he was going to do with that. It was the worst celebration I've seen, but I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's one of the best human beings I met in football, together with Nemanja Vidic. Uh, John O'Shea was just a simple boy from Waterford. He came to United and he was not phased. And with his talent, with everything he has, he just used maximum of his ability to become what he is today. 
Many people left Sunderland after they get relegated. He's still there and he got relegated now to League One. But I don't think because he's going to retire. He loves it. He lo okay, wages are good, but he still loves it. <laughs> when you see these lads go on and make very lucrative careers out of football, is a tiny bit of you envious? Jealous? Honest answer, no. Honestly, I don't regret one thing I've done, and I've done many things wrong. Because it path my way in life. You what know, have you done wrong? Almost everything when it comes to being a footballer. <laughs> what, like? No, but I didn't use my talent in the way probably people are telling me now I should have used it. You know, I, can't, I came when I was 17. United paid over £1 million at that time for me. Year after, made my debut in the Premier League. Jimmy Murphy, young player of the year. But for me, that was not life. I was just happy. Honestly, it sounds crazy to be alive. I've seen stuff in my lifetime as a kid that I don't wish anybody in this room would see. And it's hard. In Sarajevo. In Sarajevo. When the war was going on. Of course. You're 10, 11 years old, of course you remember. But as long as you hold your granddad's hand because he was my hero, everything was fine. It was okay running over the streets when the snipers were shooting down because I was safe. I was holding his hand. I would, I would shit my pants now if I ran over that street with the same thing. But I had his hand. I was safe. Playing football for me was a privilege. I earned money from it. My family has it good. And people speak about my ability, the clubs I've been in. But I was never happy. But honestly, I can tell you, last two years, I've never been as happy in my life as I am because I'm stable. I'm home. I know what I've done. I understand that there is criticism. Even I meet United fans in Sweden, but you only play two games. But I can always turn around and say, how many games have you played? <laughs> It'd be quite interesting if you said that to Jesper Blomqvist. So now, I'm bigger than Jesper in Sweden. <laughs> but you, you're doing now an... Um, That's true. You, you're I'm doing like, No, you've got, a, you've got a TV. Yes, I work with Swedish Viasat. Yeah. So we have the Premier League, Champions League and La Liga and Serie A. So I do some TV work and occasionally I travel to Manchester work for MUTV. I did the pre-season last year, so it's fun. It's always good to speak. What do you think of Manchester United this season under Jose Mourinho? Do one more honest opinion, I think, yeah. yeah. I have not, honestly, I haven't been happy. I think the gap to Manchester City is too far. I understand that last year we finished sixth in the table. It's progress. It's progress if you look at it like that. But I'm looking at the, the way City play. And what Manchester United is all about and what our DNA made us become these supporters of this great club. Am I right or wrong? I think you know the answers. But we always, need a winner. Yes, you need a lead, we need a leader. Yeah. You know? There's no Nemanja Vidic or Rio Ferdinand anymore there. No, I mean, but you need I, to I become... Mean, I mean as, as a manager. As a manager, listen, Jose has won many things. And at the same time, during all his career, even in Porto, in Chelsea, in Inter, the demands were just win games and win titles. But clubs like Real Madrid and United, you need to play, play with flair. You need to leave Old Trafford knowing that we've done everything offensively-wise to win games. Lee Sharp can tell you about it when he comes on stage after I'm finished in two hours. He can tell you about it. I am disappointed and I honestly hope we don't fall at the last hurdle against Chelsea. Because as you all know, Liverpool are going to go to the Champions League final and I hope it's not going to be one of them seasons that we're going to leave with an empty feeling in our stomach. Because some games have been okay, but I think we can get more out of our creative players, 
people like Martial Rashford, even Paul Pogba, players like the players like that needs to be unleashed. The only thing they're worrying about how to get back to be in right position at the same time. We have enough quality to be closer to City. That's what I think. Why were you unhappy when you were a footballer? I don't know. I never saw myself as a footballer. A footballer for me were just people that were living lives that were not meant for them in a way, you know? When I look at myself, when I look in the mirror, I see myself. I don't think many footballers, when they see themselves in the mirror, they see themselves because they become like these supermen. Like they become overly human. They actually look down on normal people. For me, everybody is worth the same. Doesn't matter where you come from, what religion you have. We all the same, Andy. With, with money, with cars, with women and all that, people get cocky. That's normal. But I also think that with the younger generations, academies and all that, they need to put people in place to take care of these kids so they don't go the wrong way. It'd be easy for you to sit up here and, and talk bullshit. I've seen in action some of your words. I'll give you two examples. Yeah. When you were playing in Sweden, you played an away game hundreds of kilometers away from where your team were. And there was one away fan who yes. traveled all that way. Yes, we had a Bromo Poikan that doesn't have many away fans. Well, there was one. Yeah, it was one. It was more than 100. It was, we played in Mjelby. Mjelby is uh, close to south of Sweden and Bromo Poikan is in Stockholm. So one fan traveled down. We lost the game. And so I, what I did is I paid for his flights. I gave him VIP tickets, dinner, hotel and everything. And I invited him to Stockholm because he lived close to Mjelby. So that was my trip for him and his wife. So I did that. But it was one, so I, I could afford it. <laughs> and another example was Manchester United played in uh, Stockholm in 2013, just at the start of the, the great era under David Moyes. And uh, Bojan and I agreed to have a night out. So I booked in Burns, which is a nice hotel in the center of Stockholm. And Boyan said, I'll take you out. So I had this image of going in the best bars in Stockholm with these beautiful blonde-haired Swedish girls. Boyan turned up and said, I want to meet Man United's hooligans. Where are they drinking? So yeah, we, went, we went to the worst bar in Stockholm to meet the travelling United fans where you asked them questions about their culture. You're genuinely interested in fan culture. Most footballers have no understanding of fan culture. I'm a Red Star Belgrade supporter through and through. United are my team, of course, when it comes to England, but I'm from Belgrade. Red Star Belgrade means everything for me, same with AIK in Stockholm. Uh, fans' culture is understanding human beings. You pay money to watch, for example, United. You pay a lot of money to travel away to games. You give everything to this club, and of course then players, even former players, doesn't matter how much they play, they have to give something back. Some players in this modern era, they actually turn their backs away because they feel they're above that. And I think that's wrong. I just want to be a mate. I can take you to the best nightclubs when you come next time, but for me, this was just interesting. Meeting people that paid everything they earned to come to Stockholm to watch United play in a friendly, of course I'm going to be with them, of course I'm going to ask them questions and welcome them to my city. Because they're in Stockholm now, and I'm much tougher in Stockholm than in Manchester, so they're always welcome. <laughs> you play for Red Star Belgrade, you won the double there. You had a young captain, we spoke to him earlier tonight. He's a, he's a great guy, he's a, he's a real man of substance, a, a family man. He's called Nemanja Vidic. What was your first impression of Nemanja when you joined this team? That I had to train properly, otherwise he would just take my legs out. <laughs> no, but he was 22 when I came to Red Star and he was already the captain of one of the biggest clubs down in Balkans. 
just to see him train because he trained every single day like he was his last. I just love to play the little bit of squares, have the ball with my feet, hated running, hated the gym and everything. He just did everything properly because he, he had bigger plans. He wanted to be the best. And to see him captain Manchester United, to see that pride, it's irreplaceable. And I actually miss it. And that season when Moyes took that decision that he's, he had to go to Inter still hurts me. Because people like that are great leaders, great teachers for the younger players coming through. One of the best centre-halves the club has had. On and off the park. It's, well, Nemanja, Nemanja was captain of Red Star Belgrade. So imagine being in Belgrade. You're the captain of Red Star Belgrade. That's where he met his wife, Anna. And I said, what first attracted your wife to you, the captain of Red Star Belgrade? He said, my intelligence. Yeah, he is. He's actually intelligent. It's unusual for a footballer, but he's intelligent. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Of course, there's intelligent footballers as well, but he's just a humble guy. For him, it was not nights out. It was not fast cars. It was not being out with me to 6, 7 in the morning, go training. He just wanted to be in his room, watch some movies, and just prepare for training and winning us the double. And we won the double day. What was Alex Ferguson like with you? It was like a... It was like my, it reminded me of my granddad, you know, somebody that I respected, somebody that was afraid of, but also somebody that I could actually knock on the door if I needed help and he would give me that help that I needed. Should he have given you more chances? No. Why? <laughs> no, because I disappointed him on many, many occasions. You know, I was at the club for six years and I still had two more years on my contract. Imagine being at the club for eight years and play two games. Then it means that he actually believed that I was going to wake up someday, but I didn't. People at the club used to chase me nights out, clubs. You can ask Chucky. Chucky was my reserve team manager. He loved me, but I was a pain in the ass. I was. I knew that, and I did that on purpose. But as I said, I don't regret it. I'm still here. I'm still talking about football. I'm still sitting in Oslo. Weather is all right. It could be worse. Weather is fantastic. Um, Tell us about some of your nights out in Manchester and maybe we should extend this question later to Lee Sharp when we speak to Lee. I heard Sharpie was better than me. I was surprised. I thought I'd seen everything in Manchester. I used to love the Wednesdays. Wednesdays... Discotheque Royale. No, no. Love Train at the Ritz. Yeah. No, no. It was at Royale's. No, Love Train at the Ritz. Love Train was at Royale's. Wednesdays, honestly, Love Train. Brutus Gold was at the Ritz. Andy, trust me, he was at the Ritz. Hi, Wednesday. Is he from Manchester or am I from Manchester? <laughs> right. We are a slightly yeah, different age. It moved to the Ritz, but it was Royale. But it was good. Yeah, but I was So what's it Ritz. like being a young Manchester United player in Royales on a Wednesday night? You're dancing to Kung Fu fighting. You're in. Some bad shit. You're in Royales. <laughs> no, but it was, it was difficult as well because not many European players moved that early to England as well. And me having long hair, even more gel than I have now as well. A bit tighter clothes than we have in Sweden and Norway. I was not that popular. Because I used to love to talk to the ladies. I thought I was quite charming as well. Were you a bit of a catch? Did you go out at night and catch. look in the mirror and think, I'm going to do some damage tonight? No, I always, I always respected that part of it. I just want to have a good night. I want to have my drinks. I want to spend money on the things I actually appreciate and loved. Sleep one hour, or two, one hour or two and take myself to training. Who were the best players you played with in your career or with, trained with? With, Apart, no, with, with no doubt, you know that I'm going to answer. Number one, Paul Scholes. Why? Yeah. 
it was unbelievable just to see him in, <laughs> just to see him train it was it was magic it was like almost when I watched Iniesta play as well but this I saw in training the way he hits the ball the way he passed the ball the way he moved everything was just with an ease youth players used to just sit by the training ground to see him hit a pass crossfield pass and everything he did was just magic they would just lay back walk around with his Nike track, track suit came into training went out and he was just magnificent. It was good to the youth players as well. Who else? It's a difficult one because I will tell you Juan Sebastian Veron from training. Yeah. When he came, he cost us 30 million pounds. Big signing from Lazio. Honestly, first trainings, we used to see him as a youth player. He had that white thing around his knee, you know, the tape. Next day, half of the youth team had the tape around his knee. <laughs> Honestly, we wanted to be like Veron. Unfortunately, he never came up to them levels on the pitch during the Premier League. Best game I've seen him play was at Everton Old Trafford. I think it was his first game. It was yeah. phenomenal. But he never reached them heights. English League was a little bit too tough for that quality he had. So, Nicky Butt was watching that game thinking, this guy's been brought in in my position. And he just thought, I might as well leave the club now. He's that good. And I'm told that Juan Veron, and it still baffles me to this day, why he didn't quite work out, is the only player in United's history who turned up at the training ground and the rest of the players just stopped training. And the first reaction was, he looks like Veron from Lazio. It is Veron. He's coming here. They were totally starstruck. Everybody was. He was one of my favorite players at that era as well. I loved central midfielders. I loved people with the brain. They could see a pass before everybody else. Not creative minds. Uh, these people are geniuses in every everything you do in life doesn't matter what work you do with these geniuses are special and he was a genius unfortunately it didn't work out with him but, but a great guy a... no he learned english he taught he used to go out on all the clubs out all he loved singing Lingy, argentinian songs yeah and the Archies are brilliant fans ah, we, we, we were special uh, sebastian Marone, and then he had bartez and laura blanc in the shower smoking yeah no it was it was a special era everybody everybody was themselves and they performed and they won us the titles. I mean, it was a great club at that time, probably the best squad ever when I came that 99 season after the treble. Did you go to Barcelona? Were you there? No, I didn't. I came in July. Right. The final was so in May. You, so you arrived at a club that had just won, yeah. won the treble. And came to the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be better than the cliff from Camp Nou to the cliff. <laughs> we appreciate the support of our sponsors. It helps keep this podcast free. And Harry's have sponsored us for a long time. They make razors. And their story is that for decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of their customers. So Jeff and Andy from Harry's, two ordinary guys, were fed up with getting ripped off and they started Harry's to fix shaving. They knew there was only one way to ensure quality. So they bought their own factory with over 100 years of blade making experience. By taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's offers their blades at half the price. Their amazing quality blades are half the price of the leading five blade brand. So what do you get with the special offer? Well, for £3.95 you get a trial set, which includes a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich shave gel and a travel blade cover. I've received it, I've used it, I like it. I suggest that you try it and do the same. To get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95, support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including the razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com.
facebook.com forward slash united. That's harrys.com forward slash united. We're nearly there, just the last five minutes. If you just all be quiet, please. You went to Glasgow Rangers. You made your debut in a dark in the old firm against Celtic. I mean, that, that's just incredible. That was a funny story because Gaffer, Sir Alex, pulled me in and he said, now you've been at the club for a long time. I said, yeah, I know Gaffer. I thought you were going to sack me earlier. <laughs> but in the beginning of the week, he said, listen, you're going to go to Rangers. It was on a Wednesday and a Thursday. I'm at the Carrington. On Saturday, I'm going out in the starting 11 for Rangers at Celtic Park. Two days after, one training session, I'm in the starting 11. Alex McLeish, of course. Gaffer had him at Aberdeen and all that. And that month... I felt alive. I played five games. I escaped injuries. I got my first call up for the national team. One day after we played, I think it was Livingston. And after 30 minutes, I pulled my muscle, but from the hip. The groin went from the hip. So I was out for over a half a year. And I had to go to Little Plymouth to play in the championship. And for me at that moment, championship was like, for me saying now, go play Norwegian Division Four. <laughs> that was the mindset I had. You know, that was the mindset I had. But I love to play now in Division 4, but my knees, my Achilles, I cannot move. And I had three, three cruciate ligaments. Zlatan had one, I had three. Ruptured Achilles on my right. It's four career damaging injuries. And I still stood on the pitch and played until I was 33, 34. And when you're having all these operations, are you thinking, I'm just cursed. I'm suffering far more than my fair share of bad luck. You know, in the beginning, yes, I felt sorry for myself. I was like the black sheep, me against the world. But then I thought, listen, look at your lifestyle. How did you live? Are you happy with that? I said, yes, I did stuff. M- many people wouldn't be proud of, but I was proud of myself. And I knew I caused all these problems coming my way. You know, I accepted these injuries because it was down to me. It was not down to somebody else. I didn't train. I didn't do stuff properly. The game was changing, it was faster. And I was never fast. So you lose half a yard every single injury. At the end of the time, you only have your brain. You see a pass, but you cannot run. Who's the funniest player you've shared a dressing room with? Nicky Butt is funny. Nicky is funny, yeah. Why? He's just crazy. <laughs> you know, like he does stuff you don't expect. Like you have to he... laugh because he's like, you know, you cringe more, but you have to laugh. Like when he chased a naked Peter Schmeichel round with a, a team. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Maisie and burned was, him on the arse. Maisie was difficult to youth players as well. Why? He was tough. All these games you had before when you were like going into the first team and Maisie was always in charge of it. What games? It's like a stupid. Should I take it out? Yeah. We had the game like you put a spoon in your mouth and you pull your head down and the other guy has to like go down and hit the spoon towards your head. So Maisie chose Mats Tim, he was a Danish player at the time, a youth player. And he said, Mats, you start first. Put a spoon in your head, you're going to smash my head in. And Mats said, no, Maisie, listen. He said, do it, and I'll do it after. He said, okay, if I'm first. So he put a spoon in his head. You cannot get a power. You know, when you put put a spoon, it's no power. Okay, Mats, it's your turn. Mats pulled his head down. Maisie takes the spoon out of his mouth and he just goes, boom. <laughs> and Mats just goes, Dup. <laughs> And that was Maisie's sense of humor. So you want to laugh, you want to cry, you want to cringe. Be- because this is the United We Stand podcast, we do have some regular questions. One of them is the horse question. I'm not sure if we're allowed to ask it. I'm going to ask it anyway. Are we allowed to be a dull in tone uh, this evening? Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Would you rather be bumped by a horse and, and nobody knew, or not bumped by a horse, but everybody thought you had been bumped by a horse? 
option too, of course. I don't care what people think. I knew he didn't do it. <laughs> Quick fire, last couple of minutes. Greatest moment of your career? Greatest moment of my career? Uh, there's a few. I'm winning the Jimmy Murphy Young Player of the Year, of course, getting that award at Old Trafford. Winning the double with Red Star Belgrade, my first love, and winning the treble in Sweden with AIK Stockholm, my second love. So it's still been a decent career, you know? It's not been decent if you look where I started, but I'm. Worst moment of your career. You won't clap this. Worst moment of my career, sharing a bed with you. So, he saw that was in Holland, he just moved to his 67th club in Belgium and said, we've got a game tonight, come over, stay in my apartment. He didn't have an apartment, he had a hotel room. I travelled in good faith. He'd been in Antwerp for three days. He knew absolutely everybody in Antwerp because that's his personality. He played, he spoke to every, every supporter, he took us out afterwards, he said, I've just got to meet some Serbian friends. I'm thinking, you've lived here for three days, how have you got friends here? <laughs> And then we meet people who probably escaped Serbia during more troubled times and probably had a slightly checkered record. That's my if type I, of If I was being a journalist, I might have asked a few more difficult questions. And we ended up in a club by the docks at five o'clock in the morning. It was a good night. You it's remember it. It was a great night. You only remember good nights. You remember that night. I remember waking up with you the next morning thinking, what on earth is going right. on in my life? You were the one spooning. I was not spooning. <laughs> What are you doing now? What's uh, the plan for the future? <coughs> Nothing. I'm continuing my work at the Swedish television for Viasat. Uh, the World Cup is coming. Uh, we don't have the rights to send that, so it's going to be... I need some rest. I need to see some sun, because in Sweden for nine months you're just locked inside. You don't talk to your neighbours, you don't talk to nobody. You have no colour in your face. But we're in good faith anyway, so continuing talking shit on telly and being better and better for every year that goes as a human being. And Thank you for having me. It was great being here and I'll see you soon again, hopefully. Ladies and gentlemen, Bogdan. So that was that podcast which we did in Oslo a couple of weeks ago and Bojan's is great value. We went the next day to Bergen. We also did a couple more podcasts which will bring to you on here if you've enjoyed that one there's one with lee sharp and there's one with the lads involved in united we stand where we tell you a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes in the magazine and a few stories about the mag um, we've decided to do a summer special of the fanzine we asked people uh, whether we whether they wanted us to and 92 percent of people on united we stand said yes and about 66 percent said yes on on twitter and so we're going to put a lot of time into it we're going to put hundreds of hours into it it'll have the usual stuff that goes in the summer issue like technique and the summer issues have always sold well actually i was just a bit worried because this mood was so flat at the end of the season and when i spoke after wembley last week i felt like the last thing i wanted to do was do a fanzine but sometimes fanzines can be at the best when things are not all perfect and we do get lots of good insights and people who go on our message board will know that we've had stuff on there recently which has been in long before it's been broken in the mainstream media there's lots of bits of inside information on there that i think are of interest to 
Manchester United fans, and we have to be careful how we deal with it, but but we are, and we'll carry on doing that throughout the summer, and we'll work on the summer issue. So, if you want to subscribe to that, we will also offer the option of a single issue, posting them out to you. Uh, like we have done in previous years on the summer issue so we're planning for that to come out mid-june sort of june the 18th so we've got a lot to to be working on and there's, there's a lot going on with united at the moment so there'll be stuff in there with a bit more depth and nuance and context than you might see on social media where it just tends to be a lot of noise about transfers and a lot of nonsense about transfers as, as well so we hope you enjoyed the podcast with with Boyan. And we'll bring you on in another week or so, um, maybe with, with Lee Sharp or maybe with United We Stand. Until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win, as well as a host of special bets created by Reds. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.
Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Reds. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.